I'm going to invite Pastor Bill to come, and very thankful for his uh, willingness and desire to preach for us today, and particularly the, the topic uh, that he will be bringing before us. So thank you, Brother Pastor Bill. We are in Psalm 42 and 43 this morning, dealing with depression. In 2020, 30 to 40 million Americans experienced depression. There were approximately 45,799 suicides. One in six Americans are on antidepressants. In the United States, that's a $210 billion a year industry. And you might ask why I would address this. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a licensed psychologist or psychologist. I'm not a a certified biblical counselor. Though I've done all the work leading up to that, except the writing, and as I'm turning 69, I don't think I will pursue that. But I'll try to use the training that I've had. I first preached this message back in Wisconsin, December 15th, 2019. And I said to my congregation, I know this isn't the kind of sermon you expect just before Christmas. But I just learned that a second friend had committed suicide. And it was weighing heavy on my heart. Carl was a guy that I worked with at Calvary Church in Pacific Palisades. We worked in the youth department there. He was in my wedding. Um, He had a wife and two grown daughters. And he took his life. Another guy then I found was Robert, who I worked with in a church in Albuquerque. He was the youth pastor. Just a guy who made me laugh all the time. And then he went to Dallas Seminary, went on to be a, a pastor of a large church in North Carolina. And his wife and two, two young kids came home one day and found that he had hung himself. And so when I went to Wisconsin in 2002, some people on antidepressants said, I wanted you to counsel me, but I was afraid you'd tell me to get off antidepressants. And I said, I'm not a doctor, and I didn't play one on TV. That is between you and your doctor. My role is to get you closer to God and his transforming grace. But is psychiatry or psychology the answer? One of the things to think about is there's 250 psychotherapies. It's a billion-dollar industry itself that looks down on biblical counseling. So the question is, is the Bible the answer? Is the power of God available to change your outlook on life and give you hope? Yes. The answer is yes. But I'm not saying there's no such thing as clinical depression or chemical imbalance. Whoops. Here we go. Depression is real. It can be debilitating and it can lead to suicide. And it almost did for me. I came close, but God saved me. I've told you before, my dad, my mom's dad, my grandfather on that side hung himself in his jail cell. And my mom, who died at 85, she was 18 when that happened, never got over it. With suicide, there is so much collateral damage. 
But I praise God for my depression and my pain because it led me to Christ. Listen, we're all unique. Some Christians are stronger emotionally. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. If you're strong emotionally, it's only by the grace of God. We can take no credit for that. Agreed? And if you're strong emotionally, it is your job to encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak. Faint-hearted, to be worried, to be discouraged. Weak, those without strength. Encourage and help them. Those are imperatives. Those are commands. Help to lay hold of, to hold on to firmly. It's a command to go out of your way to bear the burdens of others. It may not take a village, but it takes a church. You're not strong just to feel good about yourself. You're strong to walk alongside the weak and be what with everyone? Patient. Please promise me this, that when you know someone with depression, you won't be insensitive and say, hey, just get over it. That's self-righteous and it's uninformed. Don't say you're in sin because you're on antidepressants. You can't say that. My son Mark, my daughter Catherine, both on antidepressants, both seeing therapists. We'd rather them see a biblical counselor, but... They wouldn't do that at this time. It's good they're talking to someone. So let's take a look at what the Word of God says and if that gives us a plan of attack in dealing with depression. Number one, don't live in the past. Chapter 42, 1 through 4. The primary purpose of Psalms is to give divinely inspired models or patterns on how to pray to God, how to praise God, how to meditate on God, and in response to who God is and what he has promised for his children. The Psalms enables us to express to God our deepest emotions and needs, especially in times of crisis. So the two central themes of psalms are praise and lament. And with lament, it usually ends up in praise. You see at the top of Psalm 42, um, it says the sons of Kor. They were a Levitical family with musical and other responsibilities in the temple. Verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. The soul, the core of our being, the essence of who we are. The psalmist is very transparent. And I can, I think I can say that we're very seldom transparent with one another. Men especially. His personal relationship is plain to see. You know, I share what's on my heart with my wife, Lisa, and God, of course, and my son, Mason, who we're very close, who's a strong believer. But even a believer with a close relationship with God will sometimes feel far away from him and long to be restored to that fellowship. 
For this writer, it was a a time of emotional drought and spiritual dryness. Have you ever been there? He pants to have a consuming desire for. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Like a panting deer desperately needs water, the psalmist cried out. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is not a denial of God's omnipresence, but just a longing to be in God's presence. He longed to return to the temple for worship. I mean, how how much did we rejoice when we could come back from COVID and, and be with one another? Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? His depression was intensified by those who were hostile to the truth. People totally insensitive to his situation. The non-believer would say he's placing his trust in a God who's absent. The self-righteous believer would say, you just don't have enough faith. My tears have been my food day and night. The mocking was causing him so much sorrow he couldn't eat. Verse 4. These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving, multitude, a multitude keeping festival. His pleasant memories of the past became a source of discouragement in the present. Then he was in the midst of like-minded believers. When we left Calvary Church in Pacific Palisades in 1987 after seminary and we got married and we moved to Houston, um, we judged everything at Northwest Bible Church there based on our former church. And when Northwest Bible Church did things differently, I was bummed. But I eventually learned that the standard was not our old church, but the Bible. And I needed to worship God where I was planted at at that time and not live in the past. Too many times people are depressed as they think about past relationships and their kids when the kids once obeyed and then they didn't and a career, a job loss. If only the pastor who led me to the Lord was still around. If we hadn't moved, everything would be okay. If I could have the past back, then everything would be okay. But God's God's mercies are what? New every morning. He has a plan for you today, and He wants you to worship Him right where you are. Today is today, yesterday is gone, and you can't get it back. That's a line from Lonesome Dove, if you remember that old Western. And even if you could get it back, it wouldn't be the same, and you'd be disappointed. Trust in the person of Jesus Christ, His promises, His goodness, His love. They don't change. The problem with 
focusing on the past is one, your mind usually makes it more attractive than it really was. Your focus needs to be on God, his sovereignty, how powerful he is. He's all-knowing. Nobody knows you better than he does. I was, I've told you this before, or maybe just in Sunday school. I worked with a guy named Tom at the other church in Wisconsin, and he would sometimes cry through the whole service. He just was so depressed and had a difficult wife. And uh, who was not very sensitive, said some of the things I said you shouldn't say when somebody's depressed. But I would often visit him in the mental hospital in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And, and this time I went, it wasn't the first time. He would call the sheriff's department and say, I'm suicidal. They'd come and get him and take him to the mental ward. And so I was pretty fired up when I went in this time. And And I started preaching to him about the sufficiency of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was pretty loud. And and he he was like, not so loud. They don't like that here. And I said, I don't care what they like. This is what you need. This is what they need. This is what the whole world needs. And Tom snapped out of it. Why? He wasn't thinking about himself. He wasn't thinking about his situation. He's just trying to figure out how to get rid of me. Don't idolize the past. Get your eyes off yourself and on to God and on to others. Remember, God is still on the throne. Number two, don't fear man. Verse five. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Having a little self-examination. You live in the past, you, you fear men you're, who are mocking you, and you're disturbed within. Instead, hope in God, for I will again praise him. Because the Lord was both the psalmist's Savior and God. He must hope in the immutability of God's unchanging character. Relief from depression is found in trusting the immutable character of God. Verse 6. Oh, my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon and Mount Mazar. Thinking about the work of God in your life in the past is a good thing. He is unchangeable. He still loves you. He has the power to answer your prayers and strengthen you, to heal you. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have rolled over me. He's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed like a sailor clinging to a piece of driftwood in a terrible storm when there seems no hope for rescue. Deep calls to deep. What does that mean? I think. Your deepest struggle meets the depth of God's grace. You can't, you can't get that low that His grace won't reach you. Verse 8. 
The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. He's drowning, but he still has confidence in the Lord. His song is with me, emphasizing the relationship the writer has with God. In the midst of his despair, he's fighting to cling to God, even though he's being crushed. He will not give in. He will not give up. If you're here today and you feel like you're drowning, don't give in. Don't give up. And his song will be with me in the night. His pain kept him up. But he was comforted again by God's love. There was never a time God was not with him, although he did not always feel the presence of God. Don't let your emotions nor your circumstances dictate your attitude about God. What did Job say? Though he slay me, what? I will trust in him. Verse 9. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He knew God was his rock. His unshakable fortress. But his problem was God was not coming to his aid immediately. Why doesn't God come to our aid immediately when we pray sometimes? God wants to grow you through that. God wants to test your faith. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He's emotionally devastated by the taunting of the enemies of God. He fears man as if man can do as he pleases. As if his actions were not subject to God's approval. You remember in Job... Satan goes before God and he wants to just, you know, discredit Job's faith. And God said, you can do this, but you can't do that. Satan could do nothing God had not given him a green light for. Horrible things, but God had a purpose and he has a purpose for your suffering. My depression led me to Christ for almost 43 years ago. If that is what God in his wisdom chose to use so that I could gain heaven, praise God for depression. Solzhenitsyn in prison said, bless you prison, because that's where God was working in his life. Verse 10. As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Don't fear, man. If God is for me, what can man do to me? When I'd go to the hospital and visit people in our church in Wisconsin, I often went to Psalm 56. And that one verse, this I know that God is for me. If you know Christ, God is for you. Psalm 56, 11. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember, the natural man, the man without God, serves his father, the devil, whether he knows it or not. 
He who is in you, though, is stronger than who? Satan. He who is in the world. Don't fear man, nor whom he serves. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's God. Build your house upon the rock that will withstand the storms of life. Remember, the other option is to build it on sand. And when it fell, it says, great was its fall. Why do we get depressed? We live in the past. We fear men. We forget who we serve. And so we lose hope. And we spend way too much time going to a counselor who doesn't know God. And we put way too much confidence in psychology and medication. True change can only come from God. Lasting change can only come from God. So what do we need to do? Number three, don't lose hope in God. Verse 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. He's encouraging himself to trust God. Sometimes you have to speak to yourself. Sometimes you have to preach to yourself in those difficult moments. Reminding yourself what you know to be true. He had confidence in God's ability to handle any situation in his life. His head knew that, but he he needed to remind his heart. He encouraged himself to trust God and expect God's intervention for his good with perfect wisdom and timing and power. To hope in the Hebrew is yaka. To wait on God's perfect timing with a confident and strong trust in God about the future. How many here have a a life verse? Yeah, a couple of us. Mine's Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. The cure to depression, to the the psalmist's depression and ours, is to hope in God. While hoping in God, the psalmist would also praise him for who he is and what he had done and what he's going to do in the future. The causes of depression seem to be, number one, unmet expectations. Where relationships are concerned, where careers are concerned. My daughter, Catherine, she wanted to be a nurse. Studied in Minnesota, studied out here, was a CNA at um, Cedar sinai through COVID, saw many people die. Um, and then she couldn't do it anymore. And so that brings about depression, anxiety. That those things she thought for sure was going to happen doesn't look like it's going to happen. 
unmet expectations with your health. Number two, you're mocked for your faith. And, of course, that only happens when you're sharing your faith. You're living that out. Number three, overwhelming struggles of life. But here's the thing. God is the expert at that. He knows you better than anyone, and he knows what the cure is. So why go to people who do not value God's word? Number four, focusing on the past, as we talked about. And five, a preoccupation with self. When, when people would come to me for counseling and they were so distraught, and the, all they would do is talk about all the problems they had, I said, you know, no wonder. I'd be depressed too. The cure, replace your thoughts with the truth. Replace your thoughts with the truth. Number two, replace self with God. And number three, replace your past with the future. We have an amazing future. If you're walking with Christ, you have an amazing present. Chapter 43, verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Remember Second uh, Chronicles 20? Jehoshaphat. Three nations are coming, you know, against him. And they're, they're afraid. It doesn't look good. And what do they do? They pray and they fast. And God answered their prayer. Who, who, who do you know that was in worse situation than Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They stood their ground. Joseph in the Pharaoh's court. For Jehoshaphat and Daniel, the answer came quickly. It was a couple of years for Joseph, but he stayed faithful. Verse 2. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do you go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Do not fear man. Keep hoping in God. And think about this. Unanswered prayer doesn't mean God has rejected you. Remember Gethsemane. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, three times. Take the thorn in my flesh away, please, Lord. What did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. When I am weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm depending on you totally. Verses 3 through 5. Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre, that is a musical instrument, upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. He was excited about returning to the temple. But you can't cure depression just by changing your environment. Wherever a believer is, God is there. You don't need two or three to be gathered for God to be there. 
that concerns church discipline. When Daniel was in Babylon, where was God? He's in Babylon. When Joseph was in Egypt, where was God? He's in Egypt. When Jonah was in the belly of the whale, God didn't say, I don't like fish. I'm staying away from him. He was in the belly of the whale. Don't stop trusting God because of your circumstances. Don't lose hope in God. I know a couple of people right now who are suffering with cancer, and they often go to Psalm 27. Let me just read a couple of verses from that. Psalm 27, 1 through 11 through 14. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God. In the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So what did we learn today? Depression is real. It's real. And the one who tells the weak or faint-hearted, just get over it, or just say, just suck it up, is foolish and cruel. Not compassionate. That doesn't mean you don't challenge their thinking. You do. But then you need to be ready to listen. They don't need your rejection. They don't need your indifference. Other than a clinical depression, depression comes from a a preoccupation with self and a lack of confidence in the power and the goodness of God. So how do I apply it? During the Civil War in Rwanda, in Africa, a young girl witnessed her whole family macheted to death. And when the good guys found... When the good guys found her, she wasn't cursing God or calling for revenge. She was just sitting and praying and singing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Look, I'm not saying if you're overwhelmed with the problems of life, memorize two verses and call me in the morning. That's simplistic. But the source of depression goes deeper than any antidepressant can go. It's a band-aid. Second Peter 1.3 Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. You have to believe that. To benefit from what God can do for you in those moments. And listen, if you're listening to this from the pews or on the Internet and you're covering up your pain and you're hurting and you're thinking about suicide, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Talk to me or George or someone in the church or someone and let us help you walk through that valley. More importantly, talk to God. Turn to God. Psalm 66, 16 through 20. Come and hear all who fear God. 
and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord does not hear. But certainly, the God, but certainly God has heard. Certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away from my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. So does biblical counseling really work? Are we just naive to think that? In Nevada, we were there from 97 through 2002. Um, I did a lot of counseling, and there was a gal, not in our church, but new people in our church. and um, She was diagnosed bipolar. She was on all kinds of meds, lithium and whatever else they give. And um, But she was still acting out. She was very promiscuous. One night at 3 in the morning, she got up and drove to uh, Salt Lake City, which was an eight-hour drive. Her husband went and got her. And she just, she came to me. And we just talked about the Lord. And, and that seemed to stabilize her. For a couple of years, we had a um, Bible study, Lisa and I, at Shirley's House of Hope, a, a home for those who suffered domestic violence. And there was one woman <clears throat> who shared very openly, she, she had lived in a cage for two years where only let out for sexual favors. Then she was rescued. She came to Christ. And she began to heal. And she, be, she began to smile again. She went, she went through that terrible thing and she began to smile again because God was in her life. God began to heal her. And if she can smile, we can. We can. When we go through the, the toughest times. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Let's pray. Father, you're amazing. And those who don't know you don't know that. They've never experienced your power and your grace. But we have. And we know others who've been through difficult, difficult things. And you've lifted them out of the gutter. And you've raised them up to smile again. And we're so thankful. Amen.